Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it hanging? It is hanging well, Riley. Thank you for asking. Yes, oh, you're it very is, welcome. It is, uh, we are recording one day earlier because tomorrow is a very special day. My birthday. It's arguably special. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, uh, my wife, uh, special to, uh, to us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Special, maybe not to other people, but that's neither here nor there. We're recording one day early such that I can go out to dinner with my wife tomorrow and then get back and, you know, maybe I'll drink a glass of wine or something out at the Italian restaurant. I don't drink too many of those. I, I probably won't. I probably won't. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we're super excited for JW's birthday and he's got some surprises on the docket. Uh, according to his wife. So uh, we'll be fascinated to hear about those. <laughs> uh, it's just one surprise and it could be like anything ranging from, I was trying to guess with her. I was like, Hmm, is it a test ride of a Tesla? <laughs> Cause we have been talking about doing yeah. that. You know how you can like schedule a ride, you know, and pretend as if you're going to buy it. But then she said, don't dress up for this. So then I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's some kind of outdoor activity. Like I really like to mini golf. So yeah. she, That's you know, I was, I was thinking about that and that would be, you know, 20 minutes away probably. So, and I don't have to get dressed up for that, but then she wouldn't say, she said that it wasn't that. So now I'm kind of, those are kind of the things I would automatically guess, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's either of those. Well, so we'll have to see. We will have to see. Stay Excited tuned to learn more. Excited to learn. That's more. right. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? It's been pretty good man um yeah. all things considered i mean it's just you know rise and grind and uh rise and grind. Just having, I, grind set. I know yeah it's true true no it's uh <laughs> it's been good though how about you it's been good it's been good the uh you know it's the labor day the week of labor day yeah uh, if you're listening in the future so we uh had that extra day off in the week and man that is just a huge huge refresher I, yes. every every week should be a three-day weekend. I I actually like really agree because coming back today, yeah. I was I was really motivated to work, and it just it felt nice knowing that you know there's only like four days in a week, and I yeah. don't know, it was good. We there's ended up going to there's studies on it that yeah, people that are good. more productive. Yeah. yeah, when they have more time. I mean, it it makes sense, right? People are more productive when they have more time. But uh, I went up to Kings Island. Oh, yeah. so that is a staple is of a, my hometown. Oh yeah, Mason. I totally forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in Mason, of course. Yeah. So uh Kings Island is a theme park, like a Cedar Point, Six Flags type thing. Uh and it was extremely fun. There you go. Did yeah. you ride Have you... the diamond back? Oh, the diamond back was the first ride. Yeah, I had yeah. never been there before. That was our first ride. It was great. <laughs> it was great. They just also they also built in 2020, I think just before the pandemic, this giga coaster. <laughs> called the Orion. I heard about them building that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of it's one of 7 giga coasters in the world and you ask what is a giga coaster and that is when the height is between 300 feet and 399 feet. There you go. 
So it's one of seven in the world, which I thought was a very fun stat. <laughs> uh, and it was great. And I rode that front seat wow. twice. It was amazing. It was like the, it was one of the smoothest rides I've ever had in a coaster. Like it was, That's it awesome. was unbelievable. It reminds me, it reminded me of the first time that I rode Millennium Force Millennium up in Force Cedar Point. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It just like how smooth it is. Um, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful ride and, and I would go back and do it again in a heartbeat. That's awesome. Well, meanwhile, <laughs> I was, I was at home, me and a friend did a Lord of the Rings extended edition marathon on Sunday. Let's go. That was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) We got cheesecake midway through. Like, you you can't beat that kind of experience. I mean, it sounded like we both had pretty ideal picturesque days. It was great. It was great. And you know what? There's plenty of other fun things that are happening all across the Pokemon scene, including the Pokemon Online Global Championships. JW, do you want to walk us through kind of how that ended up? Yeah, so we had a couple of Japanese players finish in the finals, uh, which was incredible to see. And we had a couple of decks that, um, you know, one we should see in the future in this Inteleon Ice Rider deck that ended yeah. up winning. Um, and it could be very, you know, very easily portable into the post-rotation format. But uh, the second place deck was a Me Too and Mew ADP style deck, but just focusing around Mewtwo being able to copy a bunch of attacks and Galarian Moltres to accelerate energy. So yeah, really cool uh, take there on the Mewtwo deck. One of the surprises from the Pog Champs were all the Leafeon decks and the Decidueye decks. So Grass really coming out in full force. Leafeon, of course, um, being kind of the the newcomer right in the evolving sky set so unproven i suppose uh taking a significant number of spots in the top 32 and then decidui as well just doing very well on the back of nobody really accounting for it except for those leafeon players who built their deck <laughs> to beat decidui <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true it's all the so. lists were playing like a phoebe pal pad and the intellion that's tough Yes, that makes it very difficult, of course. And then, um, yeah, but it was quite a uh, quite an interesting weekend. And I think we saw a lot of good gameplay. I was able to catch the stream for only a couple hours. It sounded like you watched it maybe a, a little longer, but I saw some games with uh, Hayden's Dark Box that were interesting. Uh, saw some of the Leafeon games. So it was pretty nice. I, I think it was a good send off to the format and um, uh, saw some, you know, again, new decks, old decks and everything in between yeah i mean i think my favorite part of uh the whole pog champ experience was you know that we got to see some of these like japanese players coming in and doing really well i feel like you know a lot of these online tournaments are are really catered around the americans or the europeans so like their schedule kind of plays around that and pog was very intentional about scheduling it in a way to try and make it accessible to as many people as possible globally hence the the name i guess the global championship uh and it was really cool to see the finals both being japanese players who have but you know a region that's kind of underrepresented i would say in online play yeah absolutely there are somewhere around 70 japanese players that made day two which when you consider that day two was you know 180 players that's extremely impressive um so yeah yeah, like you said it's it's there is kind of this culture divide between jap uh japanese tournaments and uh and you know i guess north american that's that's where we're 
you know stationed out of but like between japanese players and like i guess the rest of the world in a sense because they also have they also have different format tournament structures too and different formats right they play with uh, different sets legal uh different times so it's just it's really cool to see they always do well at worlds um and then here as close as we could get to worlds again dominating the competition i also i think it was really cool as well that there was so much mewtwo and mew in this event like a lot of dark box a lot of just miscellaneous mewtwo and mew decks it it felt kind of nice i guess like i feel like mewtwo and mew is the quintessential tag team of all tag teams Mm. Uh, so being able to get that last representation before rotation is kind of cool sure sure one of the more skill-based tag teams for sure yeah so i agree with you it's nice to see it populating a lot of uh, a lot of the day too i will say i think you touched on this last week as well i definitely underestimated suicune as a card yes and i i don't see a reason that it wouldn't continue to be good yeah suicune is just like one of those cards that is not going to blow you away with how strong it is but it's always going to be good. a super yeah. solid option <laughs> yeah yeah and those are the cards that, that sneak under the radar i think sometimes oh so. absolutely Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing that kind of Ice Riders, Suicune, you know, Inteleon kind of deck continue to do well in the future. Yeah, it was a really interesting combo, right? Because you have Suicune to kind of get going and maybe uh, set up some, uh, you know, a little bit of damage here and there. And, and it's a two prizer that could, you know, hit for hit for just little chink, uh, chunks. And, uh, um, and so same thing, you know be followed up with the ice riders right and then they're doing the 250 right so yeah. finishing off what uh what the suicune started so i like that a lot it's cool should pour it over very well into post rotation and um we'll see how people um you know factor that in to uh to to the metagame and stuff so yeah absolutely is there anything else like kind of you know the format <laughs> itself of the event is I mean, by the time most people are listening to this, it's probably <laughs> already rotated. Uh, is there anything in particular that you want to comment on from the event and you know the actual gameplay that came out of it? Well, I didn't watch a ton of the gameplay because I was you know off busy doing house stuff. But um, yeah, I, I I can't speak entirely to uh, you know what went on. I watched some of the stream. And again, the dark boxes were very interesting. The times that I saw those on and um, yeah, I just, it is, it is interesting to see these cards that, you know, we have a little bit of angst <laughs> about, right. And, you know, you're playing on the ladder and you're like, oh man, why can't everybody play post rotation decks? But then just to see, I don't know, the, the possibilities of the format yeah. was really cool. I mean, I've been a dark box stand from day one, so there you just go. Seeing it kind of emerge in force was fun. I would say, you know, if I had one piece of advice as someone who maybe is listening and it's about to be or rotation has happened and you're looking at kind of like the the pog champs and you're like, okay, what do I get from this? I would take a look at, at any of the decks that played in Teleon and most of those can be ported over very cleanly into post rotation format. So they're great like starting point for mm-hmm. uh, how to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Leafeons, I think, in, the Leafeons, in particular. The Ice are... Riders, the Urshifus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Cool. So 
I do think we have to talk about a certain event from the event, and that would be the the disqualification of Luke Morsa um, on the allegation that he was being, you know, kind of coached midstream uh, due to having conversations with his with his mother during his gameplay. Uh, JW, is there any other background that you want to hit on before we kind of dive into this? Well, what I I got some extra intel uh, from <laughs> both Luke and Neil, who was, if not the head judge, at least one of the head judge, I, I believe was the head judge yeah. of the event. Um, and and so I, you know, I'll share some of that as we go on. But um, Luke, just want to say out of the out of the gates, Luke wasn't the only player disqualified. Now I don't know who the other ones were, but I do know that in day two there were other players uh, DQ'd for having somewhat similar situations. Obviously, Luke, you know, streaming his gameplay and and uh, you know talking with his mom, like it is very much for everyone to see, right? And the most publicized and, <laughs> right. and the highest finisher, Makes right? It so it's going to be the most. Right, for sure. So uh, there's a lot of lot of drama surrounding that, and I think it'd be good to uh, good to talk about that. Okay, so, so. I mean, we kind of have we have the groundwork laid out there. So um, you know, Luke had had been playing; he'd been playing the Leafeon deck. He ended up finishing in the top sixteen, and after the event had concluded, the the judge team had decided that a disqualification was in order due to you know, the breaking of, of play Pokemon guidelines around coaching mid game. Um, so JW, maybe we'll start from one of those perspectives and, and work our way down and then we can start giving our own thoughts interjected in there. Sure. So Luke, I asked him a little bit, you know, asked him about, um, you know, did they give you a warning kind of, why do you think they DQ'd you when they did, you know, do you feel like the judges acted, you know, with bias or anything? Uh, And pretty much the answers I got back were, you know, I feel like they did what was in the interest of like the, the, the official TPCI rule book. So that was, I think, stated in the event description as kind of the the law of the land. Um, and with a number of, you know, reputable judge sources, it, it makes sense, right, that they're not going to necessarily cater to the online environment and try to keep everything as, as within the rules as possible. So, um, you know, Luke says here, um, you know, I believe that going into the situation, they said, whatever we find, we're going to base it on the black and white rules of the game. And then they did just that. I agree that by those standards, I should be DQ'd is what Luke says. Um, The issue is that other online games, I think we should assume everyone has outside resources or advantages and allow coaching to take place at the risk of the player taking bad advice or being too distracted. So Luke kind of says here that um, he thinks maybe this should be allowed uh, to a degree, just that it's kind of, you know, risk and reward in the sense that you can receive advice, but maybe that advice would be pretty, you know, bad in some cases. Right. (laughs) And so just to allow that kind of um, allow that to happen is just going to be the environment of the online game. So that was, that was Luke's, uh, you know, take. I get the impression that he was a little bit, um, you know, kind of certainly when it happened, and like I think certainly when he got the asterisk uh, instead of his name on the final standings. I I think he was, you know, take took it in stride for sure, but a little bit, um, 
I got the feeling that it was a little bit, uh, he was a little questioning or maybe not, not maybe not upset, but um, sure, certainly I'm this happy. is one of, yeah, unhappy. I mean, this is, you know, he put a lot of work into this finish and like it probably um, one of, probably one of his best finishes, I think like of all time, right? Like in terms of um, starting from zero and then working your way into the top 16 of this, you know, thousand person tournament. So um, certainly, certainly want that, uh, want that reward of, of at least, you know, being in the final standings. Right. So, um, you know, I, th- I get the impression that it was just kind of like a, ah, this is unfortunate. I understand why it happened, but I wish it didn't happen this way. Kind of vibe. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I think it's a somewhat valid perspective, um, given the fact that, you know, I can say with utmost certainty that many players can and do use Discord um, during their games. They stream to their friends. They talk to them. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with his logic that, like, you, uh, it's, like, counteracted by bad advice or being distracted. I don't think that's the angle of attack that you need to take there. Right. Um, you know, I think more realistically, we're looking at different spaces. If if you're going to make that argument, you have to say, you know, the online sphere isn't isn't the same as real life and shouldn't adhere to the same exact rule set. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack there. And I think let's um, talk let's, a little yeah, bit about yeah, the judge's perspective. perspective. So yeah. this is Neil. This is uh, the tournament organizer for the Sunday Open and then also um, one of, if not the head judge for the Pog Championships and says here, um, uh, there was a great deal of disagreement among the judges in this regard. And this is quoting verbatim from Neil. Uh, the discussion took quite some time and became heated. So just kind of in- indicating that, you know, even though the judges eventually came out with a decision, it wasn't necessarily one that everyone agreed with. Uh, we don't necessarily know why they, you know, what the different reasonings were. I, I do have Neil's um, kind of reasoning here, but he, he you know, didn't want to speak for other people. So I completely respect that here. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, although I'm not passing the buck, I was pushing hard that it was against the rules. And I think, yeah, against the official rules that were in the original post for how the tournament was run. Uh, I think Neil has a really good understanding that, um, you know, rules are rules and everything should adhere to those rules. And now moving forward, maybe there's some opportunity to change, change those rules or, or modify those rules in a way that accommodate for the online environment in a way that we haven't yet previously done. I think that's overall a good thing. Um, but let's, let me continue here. Um, saying once it was decided that it was in fact against the rules of the tournament, whether or not you like them or not, they determined that, uh, you know, Luke discussing with his mother was against the rules. He says, I informed Luke personally about the report and that there would be an investigation taking place. I mentioned this only because I recall that it was immediately after he had completed his final round that I had to reach out to them. And so they didn't know about this until after the tournament was over, hence the DQ. So he goes on to say that, um, let's see, he goes on to say that if something had happened in an earlier or, you know, if that same interaction had been pointed out in an earlier round to the judge team, that they may not have been as harsh. 
on Luke, which I also find somewhat interesting, but a little more understandable, right? They could have reached out and said, hey, this is a warning or maybe taken a lesser but still, um, you know, severe penalty such as, um, you know, a game loss or prize penalty or something like that uh, to kind of counteract what they thought were, you know, was a breach of of the rules. So I, I think that's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, and I think there's some stuff to unpack there as well, and I think maybe we'll be able to kind of put our minds, at least our takes, into there, you know, looking at both of these perspectives. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, I had stopped us before the cast from talking too much about this because I wanted us to kind of have that kind of candid experience. Um, but it is kind of odd, and we had mentioned that you know, the level of penalty may have changed depending on when this was reported. Uh, it sounds like a main motivating factor of the disqualification was the fact it was, you know, post event, post final round. Right. Um, you know, I, that to me doesn't necessarily jive a hundred percent. Right. Uh, you know, cause if we're going strict, if, if the rule book, the handbook is the rule of God in this scenario, then that's cheating, right? And cheating is a disqualification, right? right. Like you don't let a cheater continue to play. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. So that to me doesn't really vibe either. And it's like, are we or are we not following a certain set of rules? Yeah, it's it's very interesting there. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, if we take if we take who we're talking about out of the picture and we're just talking about a nameless, faceless person, like if it's deemed that they were cheating, which it was like the judge team came to the conclusion that, you know, Luke was cheating. Okay. Whether or not you agree with that, that's irrelevant. They determined by the TPCI rule book for tournament play that Luke had been cheating. So, um, you know, that, that that's not like an indication of his character by any means. Cause I don't necessarily think it was, you know, uh, you know, with, with ill intent that that's right. Again, that's not, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about here. We're just talking about whether or not it was cheating by the TPCI guidelines. They determined it was. And so if it was, then what should be that appropriate, you know, uh, final outcome. And we're kind of thinking like, well, you know, if it was found in round two, like of a, of an in-person tournament, like that, you know, Luke was getting coached during the game, right? Because that was the exact situation that he found himself in. Like, if Luke was getting coached during the game, um, that would be a breach and that would be a disqualification from the tournament. Everything removed, like, you wouldn't be able to play on. So the fact that there was deemed this, you know, this cheating allegation by the judge team and that they, you know, kind of, and almost essentially let him finish the tournament uh, by being included in the final standings. It's just very, it's very interesting ruling. Um, and I didn't get any clarification from Neil on that in specific, but um, yeah, that just seems very, uh, it seems like a, an interesting compromise um, for the allegation, I guess you could say. Right. I was actually kind of disappointed that his name was back on the standings not because i wanted celio to be excluded in fact i had watched much of his stream <laughs> during that day uh, and enjoyed it um but more so because i feel like if it was a random person who had been caught on their two viewer stream or something or you know their friend reported a discord screenshot or whatever that that random person would not have gotten that level of outreach 
and that person would still be off of the standings. To mm. me, it feels like we're we're retreating our our judgment based on community backlash because uh, ultimately a DQ means that you're removed from the standings, right? Like there's yeah. no middle ground there. Um, so effectively, he was undequed by having his name put back on the standings. Yeah. Um. So like. If it was random, per- I guess what I'm saying is, if it was random person X Y Z, I don't think random person X Y Z's name would be back on the standings. If, <laughs> yeah, if you're, you're kind of it. yeah, you're kind of saying like there's maybe a little bit of uh, uh, of bias in the fact that you know I don't necessarily Luke think is it's, a- it's bias towards Luke. I think it's the fact that community respects and, mm. and likes Luke, and so they made an outrage about it, right? And then we responded to the outrage instead of sticking to our guns and saying, this is the call that we made. It was cheating in the context of this event. And, and that's it. You know, and we'll work. Yeah, and that's it. And I, I mean, I think the judge staff did a, a generally good job, uh, actually a really good job of of not actually caving into pressure other than, um, you know, like we said, like the stand, the final standings, which right. again, in the grand scheme of things, like isn't really a big deal, but that it just raises some questions about- It's not, it just- I think you we know. need to, in general, this is like not even a slam. On, this isn't a slam on the judge team. This isn't a slam on Luke. This is just saying, I personally believe you need to stick to your calls, right? Like, yeah. You know, if that, if you made the right call, which they worked as a judge team and decided that they, that was the right call. And it was by the rule book that they used. Yeah. It, what's the, what's the problem, right? Like the problem, the discussion should have, should never have been, should Luke be DQ'd in the context of this event? The, the discussion should be, is the rule book as written appropriate for online play? Right. Right. And that is, that is the question moving forward. Absolutely. And I mean, my answer is, is no, it's not. I think Luke does bring a valid point. He used kind of, he fumbled in logic a little bit, I think getting there, but he does bring the valid point that anyone playing online will inherently, unless you do like, like a test proctoring thing. Like, you know how you can proctor tests and have like, yeah, people watch right, your screen. Right. Unless yeah. you do something like that, inevitably someone will have a resource that someone else doesn't. We saw this with stream sniping. We saw this with the coaching and we're going to continue to find ways around this. I mean, you know, what have you, people can do things when they have access to a computer <laughs> that they cannot that they do, can't do in person <laughs> when they're in sure. person, you know? So, Ultimately, there needs to be some sort of shift, in my opinion. We see a lot of the commentary... And I, I feel like so much of the community was using the wrong logic to get there, right? They're I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... I, I will say I'm a, I'm a little disappointed with some of the discourse that came yeah. out of this whole situation. <laughs> there was so much horrible discourse. It was like, it can't be yeah. cheated because I do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, yes. I, that is That was the worst that was, take of all time. I, I, saw, I saw a take where it's like, well, I get on Discord, but we don't really talk about the game. It's like, oh, where are you going yeah. with this, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's the point of this? Right, right. Like, people were saying bizarre stuff. Like, really, yeah. <laughs> let's stop saying that. The question should be, the question shouldn't be whether or not you were in Discord as well in the previous event. <laughs> like, <laughs> it should be whether you should be allowed to in the next one. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I, I think that this whole situation, you know, it, it further enhances, like, 
the I, I almost want to say like the need for IRL play to come back eventually. Like we can't just exist in this online sphere because there are just there's a lot of problems. And then now we're also answering questions about like, well, why don't they hold like you know uh, a CP tournaments on PTCGO? Like you're you're. You're, this is literally why right? these are like, like they, fundamental questions that need to be answered yeah yeah so i think i think going forward like do you want to promote the culture of it's fine to cheat as long as you're not caught and i think the answer is no for that because like i think uh, and this goes back to like why it's it's a little head scratching that they didn't take a harsher stance on luke and like you know again the asterisk <laughs> like keeping him out of the rankings like because if you want to um you know, because at that point, like Luke's playing for, you know, top 16 is getting like what, like $75 or something like you're basically playing for clout. OK, and the clout <laughs> that like, you know, seriously, and like the clout right. that, I mean, Luke that, gets, that amount of time is not worth $75 to me. No, so. it is not. It is objectively not. And so, you know, you're playing for clout like and so the, he, he didn't even get a punishment for that, like for cheating. He didn't even lose the clout that, you know, it's just a weird situation. Right. And so, like, should we promote? that uh, should the community think that it's okay to cheat? And I, I think the answer is no. Like we should take a very hard stance and the judges should be harsh on this. I think um, to the extent that they can is like, if there is cheating, then it should be disqualification. Like, I think that should be a very hard line stance and yeah. I'm very in favor of it. And like, uh, you know, it does this, mean that you know maybe streamers have to be on a delay or maybe they have to go into sub only i was about to ask like, you know subscriber you know, only emote like twitch chat only mode like that. you know that that gets a little gray and like sure there are gray areas about this because it's it's new it's different it's not you know in the rule book like there's some gray areas about this but from what i gather from other games you know there is this kind of um you know pseudo policing that you can do on a on a twitch chat so uh you know emote only mode or or a delay or some combination of the two to kind of lessen the advantage that you would get as a streamer but um yeah i mean in a re if you're trying to be really competitive you should have a, a delay right yeah yeah at least but, if, if competitive integrity is like the main goal i, yeah. I saw i saw an interesting yeah. take from um from Isaiah Chaville, where it was, you know, a streamer who's playing in a in a tournament has two responsibilities, like two hats that they're wearing. They have their entertainer hat and they have their player hat. And his take as a judge is that the, the player hat should always be the one that takes priority, you know, because ultimately you're a player in that event mm. and you should be equally contributory to the the competitive environment of that event as any other player and have the same standards be held to you yeah 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 i i mean I, to to an extent i agree right because like right. we don't want to necessarily discourage content creation because i think pokemon just in general is so devoid of of content creators like just generally speaking i would say we are generally devoid of content creators and so uh, i don't want to discourage people from streaming their matches i think that's generally a good thing and and actually in some ways promotes um more transparency for the game yeah. right because because if they're streaming like uh, generally you're not going to know that they're on a discord or it's going to be very hard to be on a discord call and stream without people knowing about it um you know and there are a few other kind of you know benefits of that like you just get to see see physically and uh, you get to experience it with them and so it's going to be easier to see if there's any kind of you know, foul play going on. But um, yeah, I think we would both be in agreement that 
it just, I don't know, for, for competitive integrity and, and I think just for, for events moving forward, I just feel like going with that hardline stance as, yeah, like you said, player first should be upheld. And, and maybe it's just a facade. Maybe it's just a facade, but I don't think we should as a community say, you know what Luke did was fine. And like, Hey, I, you know, I can jump, I should be able to jump on a discord call. Like we should have that kind of those voices out there saying like, no, that's, that's wrong. Like, even if you're playing alone in these tournaments, like that, that's kind of shady and you know, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Like I, we should, I think, hold that as the standard. And if people do it, like, we're not going to be able to police it, but we shouldn't have voices out there. Very prominent voices. I might add saying, yeah, everybody does it, so it's fine, and we should just abolish all of the all of the regulations surrounding it. it uh, that just boggles my mind. I, to be honest, I I think because of the fact that it's unenforceable, it should just be allowed. But that should be a rule, right? That you can you can like talk to your friend in an online sure. game. Sure. I think if it's not if it's defined as cheating, we should take the hard stance and treat it as cheating. I think um I think if it's if it's defined as being allowed then I'm totally cool with that and I actually think that is maybe more appropriate because what I think is unfair is you know when you throw these people and everyone has like a different expectation for what they're allowed to be doing you know you have right. people who right. are like oh I'm going to be on Discord call with 20 people and you know yeah. I'm not streaming so it's not a big deal <laughs> And then you have people who are like, oh, well, that's not allowed. So I'm going to be completely on my own out here. And I'm not even going to like Google a card, see what interactions it has or something like that. Right, right. And, and of course, my stance is coming from, you know, again, if it's outlined in the rules as being, you know, like TPCI uh, guidelines. But I, I don't know. Even then, like, I've, I almost feel like we should be having these tournaments under, you know, kind of like mother, mother rule book, you know. I just um, I don't think real life and online can ever be one-to-one you know and you see this you see this in like magic and hearthstone as well where you know people do get coached like during tournaments but that's like an allowed thing that's defined as something that's allowed sure sure you know even in the team challenge like that is explicitly something that happened in the team challenge obviously it was a team-based event um but you know it allowed for that extra i don't know for the actual something something to be like included inherently into the event structure. Well, actually with the team challenge, I was talking with Neil about this, that team play was explicitly not allowed. Well, then there's a lot of during, streamers who during qualifiers, during qualifiers. Oh, during qualifiers. Yeah. Interesting. So, anyway, either way though, I, I think, uh, I think we, we kind of are getting to a conclusion though, that, Rules should be followed and should be enforced to the appropriate letter of the law and intent of the the letter of the words behind those letters. Um, but I, I'm still pretty hardline that like real life and online can't exist in the exact same definition. Sure. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's definitely my stance. I do. I think I'm always going to be an idealist and think like, oh yeah, you know, I like I don't cheat or or I I don't know I. I, maybe I have, maybe, I mean, I guess I've played tournaments where I've had chat not on a delay. So like, I guess I'm guilty as well, but like, uh, I also don't think I, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, ultimately, it, it, 
ultimately it brings up a really good conversation about how to progress forward. I just think it's, we get into really dangerous territory, especially when we go back to on, uh, in real life play of like, yeah, cheating, you know, or, or, or going against like TPCI rule book and code of conduct and, uh, is a good thing or, or encouraged, right. To do well. Like, I think that sets a very dangerous precedent for just like into the future. And that's why I'm hesitant to allow, or to say like, yes, we should allow, you know, or we should explicitly allow discord calls and, um, you know, coaching and things like that. It's just, it feels very slippery. It feels very slippery, especially when we, you know, hopefully get back to IRL play sometime soon and like, you know, or even in like local leagues or like the full grip tournaments, like it just feels, it feels sketchy to me, you know, to say <laughs> like, yes, this should be something that happens. I don't know. It just, I think it just, it, cause like Pokemon, Okay. And this is a bigger thing too, is like, I've been playing for 10 years. Pokemon develops a culture of players. And I think that that is objectively true. If you look at the game of Pokemon versus the games like Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon has a culture. And I think that that culture should be upheld to whatever degree it can be, even in an online space. So because of that, and, and that's what makes Pokemon special and unique, and that's what keeps me coming back in a lot of ways, is this culture. And so to take that culture and because we have COVID, almost throw it out the window <laughs> and say, like, that's not valued, that feels disingenuous to me to, like, the core principles of the game. So that's really why I when I hear, you know, uh, cheating should be allowed or like this kind of conduct should be allowed. Like that really makes me Well, I think you also got to be careful like saying cheating should be allowed because well, right. And then it's intent is that it's not supposed yeah, to be cheating. Yeah, of, of course, of course, of course. I understand. But um, it just... that said, I, I do think ultimately tag team is right on this. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but really... I, I just I think the the main point I want to drive home is that's this is the discourse we should be having is we should be talking about what should the online space be defined as and how should that you know where is yeah. that going to be written and how are we going to follow and enforce that it yeah. should not be my friend was disqualified or a content creator I follow was disqualified so I'm going to throw a fit about it you know yeah. you have to you have to be more objective and reasonable than that yeah I agree. So anyway, it's uh, I, I feel like as you know, my take is especially problematic. I think I'll I'm sure I'll hear some uh, <laughs> some comments about it after the cast. There you go. But there you go. And, you know, have an opinion. I, I would say that as well. Like have an opinion on this because it, it's pretty important in my Making opinion. A developed one, too, though. Oh, well, true. <laughs> like, no, no. Like, don't just don't just spit out what we say. Don't just say a certain thing because a, a certain content creator says one thing or another, like actually think about this, think about what you want for the game. Yep. And come up with your opinion. That's, that's a good point too. It's like, what do you want for the game? What do you want the game to look like? And I guess there's some like team collaborative aspect to it. That's kind of interesting to, to, you know, look at, but I don't know. It just, <laughs> just feels, feels dirty. Well, we, feels dirty. we know what you do know, DW. What's that? It's your card of the day. I do. Yes. Yes. Let's move on. Card of the day. You know, this one is kind of, it kind of feels like cheating. Okay. 
Uh-huh. This one kind of feels like cheating because you get to look You're at your opponent's hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I've become the cheater because I loved this card back in the day. You get to look at your opponent's hand, and love you get that. to do something with it. Love that for you. What What do you think you get to do? Take all the trainer cards and shuffle them into the deck. Ooh, not quite. Not quite. Keep going. Um, I'm trying to think what other cards like interact with your opponent's hand, and you actually look at it. Just discard an energy card you find there oh not quite okay so this is <laughs> this is the portrait smeargle oh. it allows you to choose a supporter card you find there yeah. as a poke of power and use the you. effect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and use the effect of this card as the effect of this power so you can like back in the day this was so it was such a funny card because you didn't know whether it was going to be good or bad like it was generally a good card right it, like 80 percent of the time meant clarifying is you had to use a supporter yes 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 so so you had to use a supporter off this poke of power if you use smeargle um and, and so there was there was like an 80 percent chance that the card that you found the supporter card in your opponent's hand was a good one or at least you'd have a choice right there's pokemon collector back in the day which was a very common target from portrait but there were also things like n or professor oak's new theory which would shuffle your hand back in and draw a certain number of cards which you might not have wanted because you were looking for you know something or they also had professor's research or juniper i guess the back time. there professor juniper at the time and so that would discard your hand so it's like oh no there were times where <laughs> you know, all my important stuff <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly where you're kind of bodied by a portrait you're like oh man i'm hoping for a collector oh wait i had to you know research away all my rare candies and so yeah it was a uh, high risk high reward in some cases and uh really a fun card to play with because the other thing too about smeargle is that you could use multiple so like you could go one smeargle portrait and you found you know professor of new theory and so you shuffle your hand in and get six and then you could like retreat into another smeargle portrait again <laughs> oh they have professor of new theory shuffle in and get six you know retreat into another smeargle and do it again so you could see you know 18 cards in a turn or more uh, with your portrait plus your own supporter. So the kind of I always thought that you'll was never really see fun. again. <laughs> well, it wasn't even an ability, it was a poke of power. <laughs> sure, sure. So <laughs> but yeah, it was it was super funny. And I just loved that it was like on a on a lesser played card or a lesser played Pokemon. Like Smeargle is just very forgotten, I feel like, but to give it such a cool poke of power that belonged in almost almost every deck around that time was really neat. Yeah, Portrait Smeargle is goaded for sure. And it's a really yeah. nice looking card too. It's so fun. It's so fun. That's a that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I was thinking Thank of Ketsis and Team Yelgrun. <laughs> or not Team Yelgrun. <laughs> team uh Team Rockets. Uh what what which, which one was that where you discard from the hand? Yeah, that wasn't uh Team Team Yelgrun's from the field. Team Rockets Grunt. It was team- the it was the, the Alolan one. Skull Grunt? Team Skull Grunt, yes. There we go. Thank there you, 10 go. types. There you go. Thank you, 10, ten types. 10 types of freaking genius in chat. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many teams now, man. True, true. I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. So our last topic for today, as promised last week, we wanted to talk about the objective deck and kind of give our thoughts on it as a tool. Uh, so for the uninitiated, the Objective Deck is a website that just came out. Uh, we had, I, I forget I forget the, the nice fellow's name, Mikey. Mikey was a, a statistician. Uh, he is very interested in how to kind of like 
apply quantify quantify like apply informatics to pokemon um and you know kind of level up the gameplay that we have available to us so he created this tool that basically what it does is it parses your tcgo logs and it finds out certain information about the game such as like how many cards you drew like how many energy you attached versus how many knockouts you took versus how much damage you did Mm -hmm. um and kind of averages those the i think the real you can do it on a single game but the idea is that you average it over an aggregate of games and can start to gather meaningful information about you know mm-hmm. how your deck does and wins versus losses um, yeah and kind of figure out where to make adjustments from there yeah. so jw i'm curious you know we talked about doing this the other week so i'm sure you have thoughts <laughs> what are your initial impressions on the tool i think it's overall good i would say that with any sort of data-driven tool like this, that it doesn't guarantee performance. Because of course you have to have your in-game play be good. And like, if you're uploading bad game logs, <laughs> like, you know, you're just gonna get bodied, you know, cause it's gonna tell you results that are not consistent with, you know, what, what should actually happen, right? If you're misplaying and you upload that game log, well, you know, you're kind of boned or like, similarly, if your opponent misplays and you upload that log, well, you know, same, same issue, right? You're having kind of a a conflict there, but I will say overall good tool. However, you know, the, the kind of data-driven idea, you know, popularized by like the, the, the movie Moneyball and that whole Oakland athletics, Uh you know, uh, data driven, you know, player performance, they never won a world series with that model. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's not, it, you know, I think there, there were a few things that I was seeing uh, on Twitter where it's like, Oh, you know, this is going to change the game. It's going to, it's going to, uh, you know, revolutionize the game. And, and some players were even kind of heralding it as, as a way to, you know, like almost save themselves, you know? And, and I think to a degree that's true, but um, change the game, I think is a little, higher praise like i'm very excited for this tool and the opportunities that it presents to players and i think one thing that you're going to see that's a very obvious uh data point that is good to look at is win percentage going first or second and i think that will be for a lot of players yeah um a, a, a very important piece of data that they can pick out um for their testing and so yeah I was actually going to specifically reference that data point as well. I think that might be the most useful one on the page. Um, So I have a couple of takes and I'm going to, I'm going to go through them. I'll first answer your question in chat. So in terms of data types, there's basically, I can run through the, basically the whole subset of them. There's basically cards drawn. There's amount of energy attached there's amount of times that you attacked and what turn you started attacking, um, how much damage you did, how many knockouts you took. Um, and then it kind of does some like some mathematics on the averages of those or like how those relate to each other. So you have like energy efficiency, which is kind of like how many energy you attached versus, you know, the knockouts that you took to win the game, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, but basically it takes those main like core data points and then does some math against those in different ways. Um, so my first take is that I think this is, as as it is designed right now, it is a more useful tool for a new player than an experienced player. Um, sure. I think a lot of these data points can be kind of extrapolated or posited. 
just from having like kind of a fundamental knowledge of the game. So a good example of that is in the introduction video, they use Shadow Rider as kind of like a dummy deck that they they ran some games on and, and posted the logs for. Um, Shadow Rider, when you win games, has bad energy efficiency because you attach a lot of energy. But right. that does not mean you should change the deck because you are drawing more cards by attaching energy, which is what is letting you win the game. Right? Right. Right. Another example is, um, you know, cards drawn. Like, mm-hmm. you can pretty reasonably posit with a deck like Shadow Rider or Rayquaza or any deck, really, that you are likely drawing more cards in the games that you win. <laughs> right. And that doesn't right. necessarily directly relate to your gameplay. It just means that the games that you win, you're turboing through your deck more. You're seeing more stuff. Um, right. You have you access win. to more of your deck. Yeah. Um, the data point that I think is particularly useful is is the first versus second, because I think that's something a lot of people lack clarity on right now. Yes. Um, and I think that's the thing that, that even experienced players could benefit from is, is that particular data point. I think mm. some of the things like energy efficiency or like energy acceleration kind of missed the mark for me. Like I can I can extrapolate pretty quickly that Shadow Rider and Senti Scorch with Welder and Dark Box accelerate more energy to the board than Urshifu. Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. <laughs> or have like right. worse energy efficiency or whatever. That to me isn't like super meaningful. Right. Um, what I wish the de- what I wish the site offered, and I hope that they continue to enhance it because I think the idea is good. I think that data is more applicable to a card game than to, you know, baseball <laughs> or football. Yes, yes, um, sure. Is I like how the cards relate to each other, right? Like mm-hmm. I, an example I was talking about with my friend today that I think would be really interesting would be like. If you turn one research versus turn one Marnie, which how which one wins you more games? Sure. Or, um, you know, how many of your knockouts are taken with boss's orders versus like knocking out what's in the active? Sure. Like those are things that I'm interested in that I think you could still isolate from a game log, but need to be like more explicitly built out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's like lots of enhancements that still need to be made for the tool to to truly be where it needs to be as it stands right now i think a lot of this could be done with like good tracking of your testing right where you like keep your spreadsheet and like say if you want did this that or whatever and <laughs> and if you yep. want or lost yep. um kind of like we typically do like leading up to world championships or large events um but i, I do think the first or the second is is pretty useful so overall my points i think there's a lot of enhancements to be made there's a lot of interesting data points that aren't captured in the data set right now yep. um I do another one of my takes is that I do agree the data is kind of like corrupted, so to speak, by you know, maybe suboptimal gameplay or even like you know, concessions, things like that. Like a concession like messes up the data, right? Because the game hasn't been completed. Like you need to get every game through completion. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's another thing too, right? Because like a a baseball game isn't ending early for the most part. Yeah. Right. So but but a game that because there are a lot of times, right, where a an opponent concedes too early. You see it all the time on the ladder. And, and of course, you it know, you could always, you can't concede, right? Like if you know you're in a losing position, but you want to get the data, you need to like keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's also or not true. Yeah. The game, but then like, you're also getting less data points. So, yeah, no, I mean, of course, like it's going to be the most useful in an, in a competitive setting, right. Where you're taking those data points from, you know, tur- tournament 
wins or losses. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's, I mean, there's always going to be issues with, with any data. And so we'll just have to see just how much the tool gets used. And I hope it does uh, how much the tool gets used to give, you know, community wide feedback, right? Cause hopefully this project is just not an individual based right. project because it would be really nice to see say a similar thing. Yeah. Not only it would be, you know, nice to see not only like your results, but your results paired with, you know, the masses of results and like even maybe, and this is kind of difficult to do, but certainly possible, like breaking it down into certain matchups, um, you know, going first or second in certain matchups, certain tech cards in certain decks, well, yeah. which Limitless kind of has as well. Tool, but I think that's what the tool needs, though, is it needs to have that sort of, sort of like more discrete analysis to, to get it all the way there. Like it needs to yeah. analyze how the cards relate to each other. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. So as it stands, summary of my takes, uh, the data could potentially be bad. This is a lot of confounding factors. Um, if not analyzed properly, know how to read data, like know how to interpret data as well. If you're going to use this tool, like don't take every single number at face value, like bigger number better. That's not always true. Right. Um, it's better for new players as it stands right now. And I really, really hope that they kind of use it to like aggregate data more, not just at the individual level, but taking a lot of people's data and like compiling it and figuring out something larger and more meaningful from a larger set. Yep, absolutely. So those are kind of my, I think there's a lot of potential there. And honestly, I, I, I wish they would kind of like, it'd be great if they did like an application, like if they could scrape your logs in real time or, um, or, op or made it open source so like people could you know, make their own kind of queries, right? Like if I wanted to write a query for Sycamore versus um, Marnie on turn one, like I could maybe do that. Like, I think there's yeah. so much potential there. And so I think it's a good idea, but it's not all the way where it needs to be yet to be like the most useful tool. Yeah, totally. Completely agree. Awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I wanted to say that. I, I wanted to talk through that after I saw the video. So I'd have like, <laughs> uh, those are like my main thoughts coming out of it. But I, I do give lots of props to, to Mikey, especially, and his development team for, like, actually developing a reasonable web tool in, <laughs> you know, a relatively short time frame. I mean, for the most part, it can't hurt, you know, any of these tools. <laughs> it like, it, it, it can't hurt. I mean, I guess there's a there's a weird alternate world where, like, the data is, is being skewed so much by the players that they actually think that, you know... <laughs> worse like plays thing, yeah. are better you know like perhaps that that could work like because you also have to think like the general masses of players like do people generally play you know people don't generally play perfectly right so how does that affect things <laughs> yeah, and will that mostly yeah yeah but it, i mean it's just an interesting thought right like if everybody chooses to go second if everyone chooses to go second just out of habit then that's going to influence the data because all of the data games are going to be people going second you know so it's just it's very interesting, and I'll be inter interested to see how it plays out. <laughs> so, what a non-committal answer! It is very non-committal, but it can't hurt. I mean, it's going to be a generally good tool, like we said. Those few uh, data points, I think, are going to be immediately helpful. And then, as they build the site out more, which we both hope they do, should be able to gain some more insight. You know, I think uh, you know, getting at the the DQ and optimal deck, I really just think we need to take sixty cards. Our opponent takes 60 cards. We run it through a computer simulation that plays a million like optimal games back and forth. And whichever deck 
one more is the better deck and that wins. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that would be actually a really interesting <laughs> format for a tournament. If if I'm, uh, you know, if objective deck ever gets to that point where they can run those kinds of simulations of, of decks, that would be very interesting to see that, like where it'd be in a tournament entirely on metagaming, right? Because you could never actually, you know, if you never, if you took playing out of the equation, what would that look like? I, I think that'd be fascinating. I think that's think that's the only way that Pokemon can can be moving forward. You know, the, take the player out of it. The logical, <laughs> yeah, the logical end game is is just entirely deck building and metagaming. <laughs> I think that would be fun in its own way. That would be really fun. Yeah, I hope we get there. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening today. It's been an awesome episode of Tag Team. If you like this episode or if you didn't be sure to rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms ngw where can they find us they can find us twitch.tv slash munner every wednesday night we're recording on tuesday so forgive us for that uh but every wednesday night at 9 30 it's every PM time we say same time Eastern. same place the week before <laughs> we do it a different it's a time. different time <laughs> and then uh, they place. can <laughs> they can find uh, they can find me at twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous for more gameplay. They can also find us on Twitter at Tag Team Pokemon for the podcast. Yep. And then uh, at Smiles with Riles and at Real John Walter. Awesome. Well, you all are the best. We appreciate every single one of you who listens every single week. Or if you listen for the first time or if you're a sporadic listener, we appreciate all of you. And we will catch you all next time. Peace. See ya.